Join me for a hymn sing at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th, at Concordia University, Chicago. This year's theme, Things Above. Learn more and register at issuesetc.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. As one of my professors, the sainted Dr. Norman Nagel, always liked to remind us, what makes a good work a good work is that God graciously forgives it. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the Gospel of St. Luke. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. So last time around, we considered the term temptations to sin, and we noted that the Greek was actually there just using stumbling blocks, as we'd say in English, and how more than just dealing with sin that is, dealt with faith, with causing a person to become scandalized by something we say or do in such a way that they end up disconnecting, falling away from Christ. Man, he regards that as mega serious, and he issues a warning about it's better to be yanked down to Davy Jones' locker with a millstone tied around your neck than to cause one of these little ones from falling away from him, from his love, from his embrace. So he urges us to take action. And the one action he specifically mentions is confronting our brother when he sins against us. We all know how hard that is and how very easy, on the contrary, to go around complaining about our brother to others. Jesus doesn't give us the luxury of that option. Go directly to the one who sinned against you and show them their sin so they can repent and you can forgive them because it's all about forgiveness, a limitless forgiveness at that. Remember the whole seven times in a day thing. To all of this, the apostles beg Jesus for an increase in their faith. They don't know if they have the inner resources to pull off forgiveness like that any more than you or I do. But then Jesus mentions that if they had faith as a grain of mustard seed, just a tiny faith, they could command the mulberry tree that they were walking past to be uprooted and tossed into the sea. And remember then the distinction between heroic miracle working faith, which he gives to some, and the saving faith by which he simply connects all poor sinners to himself. The continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter, beginning at the 7th verse. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant? because he did what he was commanded. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Luke 17, verses 7 through 10. Let us pray. 
Grant, we beg you, Almighty God, to us and to your whole church, your Holy Spirit, and the wisdom that comes down from above, that your word may not be bound but a free course and be preached and taught to the joy and the edifying of Christ's holy people, that in steadfast faith we may serve you and in the confession of your name abide to our end. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So you ready to meditate on these verses? Let's dig in. Verse 7. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? I know, I know. It bristles. If you're like me, you're thinking, well, yes, that servant should be reclining at the table and the master should fix him a nice meal for having taken care of plowing in the field or tending those sheep. Why should one poor man slave all day and come home only to find more work to do? Well, before you get all judgy, remember what we read back in Luke 12. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. And remember, that's just a picture of the divine service in which Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve and offer his life as a ransom for many, still comes among us to serve out his salvation, his life, his forgiveness. So we do have a bit of an eccentric master after all. He does do things which no other master would do. But in this section, Jesus isn't focusing upon the eccentricities of the master, but the attitude of the servants. And his point is that no servant in that day and age would ever expect when he finished his field work to be greeted at the door with a nicely prepared feast nor would they grumble like the peasants used to in Warcraft 2. What? More work? On the contrary, they know they weren't done working just because it grew too dark to plow or tend the livestock. Now it was time to attend to the meal for the man who allowed them to live in his home and gave them gainful employment meeting their needs. So Jesus is dealing with our expectations here. Servants are expected to... Ta-da! Serve. St. Ambrose reflected some on this in the 4th century. You do not say to your servant, sit down, but require more service from him, and do not thank him. The Lord also does not allow only one work or labor for you, because so long as we live, we must always work. Said another way, folks, there is no retirement in this life, from your service to your Lord and Master. You can never kick back and say, that's it, I've done all he can reasonably expect. Now you may retire from this or that vocation, but you will never be without work to do for Jesus so long as you draw breath. Just think, for instance, of the obligation you have to fulfill the Ten Commandments. As Luther, the 16th century reformer, put it in his larger catechism, I'm of the opinion, indeed, that here one will find his hands full and have enough to do to keep these commandments, meekness, patience, love toward enemies, chastity, kindness, and all other such virtues and their implications. Verse 8. Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? In other words, 
will he not remind the servant of what further tasks he has been assigned? Before that servant can think of enjoying his own supper, he is expected to serve his master. First things first, and service to God is always a first thing. Verse 8. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? I suppose we've all experienced this. If we do something someone in authority has assigned us to do, and particularly if we apply ourselves to it and we sought to do it excellently, well, we do expect a little commendation, a little acknowledgement. We want them to notice and appreciate, preferably aloud, our efforts. Jesus just wipes that out when he comes to the work we're doing in obedience to God and his commandments. Why on earth would the creature expect the creator to thank it for doing what he created it to do? St. Ambrose again. Know that you are a servant overwhelmed very much by obedience. You must not set yourself first because you are called a son of God. Grace must be acknowledged, but nature not overlooked. Do not boast yourself if you have served well, as you should have done. The sun obeys, the moon complies, and the angels serve. Let us not require praise for ourselves or anticipate the judgment of God and anticipate the sentence of the judge, but reserve it for its own time. Look, God does not owe you any thanks for you doing what he tells you to do any more than he owes thanks to the sun for shining when he told it to shine. Rather than thanks, Jesus says this is how it ought to be, verse 10. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. I think the way to understand this saying is that even if you've carried out all your God-given duties in a manner that was blameless before the eyes of men, yet the one you serve, well, he looks all the way down into your heart. And you know that even in your good works, you still sin, which is one reason that those works can never form the basis of your righteousness before God. He doesn't just weigh the outward action, but the inner attitude of the doer. And all of us are and remain sinners so long as we live in this fallen age. As one of my professors, the sainted Dr. Norman Nagel, always liked to remind us, what makes a good work a good work? is that God graciously forgives it. We learn well there what Isaiah is driving at when he confessed in chapter 64, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Did you catch that? Isaiah does not say it's our sins. It's our righteous deeds that he declares to be a polluted garment. In the Hebrew, there is a rather graphic term that refers to a menstrual rag. So now, it becomes clear why the Lutheran Augsburg Confession states about the new obedience. Our churches teach that this faith is bound to bring forth good fruit. It is necessary to do good works commanded by God because of God's will. We should not rely on those works to marry justification before God. The forgiveness of sins and justification is received through faith. The voice of Christ testifies, so you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, 
we are unworthy servants. We have done what was our duty. And let's not let that word duty escape us. It's a glorious word. It just means doing what one was bound to do. And we know that even when we've done what we are bound to do, we haven't done it purely. In all of this, your Jesus is not trying to make you despair, but to just see reality in regard to your own situation and to see it accurately. St. John Minnett, when he wrote 1 John 1, 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Not had no sin, have present tense no sin. Therefore, even our good deeds need God's mercy and his forgiveness and praise be to him, they have it. And that's where we're going to stop for today, people loved by God. Next up in our gospel journey, we get the first geographical reference we've had for some time. Jesus is passing along the border between Galilee and Samaria, slowly but surely wending his way south to Jerusalem. But as he goes, he's met by 10 men, all lepers, who stand at a distance and scream for him to have mercy on them. How many opportunities, after all, would they have for the great healer to pass by right through their very neighborhood? They take advantage of it. He sends them off to the priests to offer a thanksgiving sacrifice for their healing. And sure enough, as they go, they're made whole. But when one realizes this, a Samaritan no less, he heads back to Jesus, glorifying God and giving Jesus thanks. Jesus asks the sad question, so where are the nine? Ten were benefited, but only one, and he a foreigner, bothers to come back to say thank you. Jesus tells him to go on home. His faith has made him well, or alternatively, has saved him. Till next time, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.